All right, so it is Monday, the 15th. Um, it's about 2 in the afternoon, so I have to go to work very soon. So I'm going to record this really briefly. This might be 20 minutes, 30 minutes tops. I'm going to try to make it short like that. Um, and I have to get it uploaded and all that, so I want to try to get through this. But we're going to talk about this <clears throat> four-game split between the Yankees and the Tampa Rays that took place this weekend. Episode 554, let's get into it and not waste time. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, looking, see ya! Anthony for three, bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Time! Penetrates, creates, and showing some dexterity as well with the left hand. All right, let's go. Episode 524, sorry, 524 of the podcast. Welcome to BD4. I'm your host. Let's get into it. We're not wasting time. Game 1, so the Yankees split with the Rays at Yankee Stadium this weekend. Uh, they lost Game 1, 8-2. It was Domingo Herman going up going up against uh, Rasmussen. Uh, I don't know, Rasmussen, who's actually now hurt for the year, which, you know, you don't like injuries, but... You know, we're trying to win a division here. Um, this game was scoreless through four innings before the top of the fifth came, and Anthony Rizzo commits an error at first base, and that comes back to bite the Yankees when Yandy Diaz doubles off of Domingo Herman. It's one nothing. Top of the sixth, Domingo gets two quick outs. Then he walks a batter, so he doesn't pitch a perfect game, but because of that, Boone cucks him, and we'll talk about that later. Um... And then Marinaccio comes in. He does not have it. Single, hit by pitch, double. It's 4 nothing Rays. The Yankees go down pretty weakly in the bottom of the sixth. So Boone, after that, figures it's time to wave the white flag with Abreu and Weber. Um, so all of a sudden, it's 8 nothing Rays. <clears throat> bottom of the ninth comes. And the Yankees put together you know a little fake rally uh, with two outs. They played two runs. But the game's over after that. The Yankees lose 8-2. to two. Offensively, not much. Uh, two runs on four hits, an extra base hit, two walks, nine strikeouts, one of four in scoring position. Bowers had two hits to lead the Yankees. Glaber had a hit, two RBIs, Calhoun a double, DJ and Rizzo a walk. Judge was 0-4 with three Ks. Uh, this Rasmussen guy, who, again, it looks like he's out for the year now, <clears throat> Sorry about that. Fucking, you know, <laughs> live in a house with people. You gotta fucking take care of shit. Um. Oh man. Uh, where was I? Rasmussen, out for the year. Um. Yankees are happy. 
He's another random who kills the Yankees. I think now in 21 or something innings again in, in in his career against the Yankees. I don't th- I don't think he's allowed an earned run. Um, in this game, he goes seven innings, no runs, two hits, seven strikeouts. On the flip for the Yankees, Domingo Herman, he goes five and two thirds innings, two runs. Um, he was our best pitcher of the series, so he's going to get our tip of the cap for his second consecutive series, Domingo Herman. Yeah. Five and two thirds, one run, three uh, one earned run, three strikeouts, um, three walks, three hits, um, no home runs allowed, which was nice. That's usually something he has a problem with. Eighty-seven pitches. He pitched well again, and he continues to pitch well. He now has a four ERA on the year, and that's exactly where I expect Domingo Herman to hover around. Um, you know, he's going to be a solid number five for you. A guy who pitches for stints and small and uh, spot starts and stints and he's going to do that, um, and he's done a quality job of that this year. Uh, I noticed in this one he went breaking ball heavy. He he started off every count or well, not every count, but a lot of the at bats he went breaking ball and off speed early, and then he attacked with the fastball later in the count. Um, in the first inning, he did that to Lowe and Walls. Second inning, Margo and, and Josh Lowe. Wow, whoever the fuck. In the third inning, he did it to almost every batter he faced. Fourth inning, the first two batters flew out to the outfield off of all speed pitches. Uh, and that was the theme all night with Domingo. And even Marinaccio, too. He went change-up slider first pitch a lot. Um, I wonder if that was in their game plan. Um or if they saw something to attack Tampa that way that night. I don't know. Uh, but it <laughs> didn't exactly work. As Again, um, we'll get to the pitching and the mismanagement stuff at the end of these recaps. But game one, the Yankees do lose 8-2. to two. They bounced back, though, in game two of the set with a win. Uh, they picked this one up 6-5. to five. Garrett Cole going up against the opener shit. Top of the first inning, Rosarino goes deep, does his little look-at-me thing at third base because he wants attention. Bottom of the first, Rizzo goes deep, but is, of course, all class, uh, and the game's tied at one apiece. Jose Siri then homers in the second inning off of Garrett Cole to make it 2-1 to one Tampa. Cole ends up going five. We'll talk on him. Bottom of the fifth comes. Volpe answers back with the home run to tie it at two. And then in the seventh, you got both Volpe and Oswaldo Cabrera, the two rookies, singling to put the Yankees up 4-2. to two. Um, For some reason, Oswaldo tried going two on the play. Wasn't even close, and he's called out. Uh, top of the eighth inning, Mike King struggles mightily as he comes back out for his second inning. Uh, and it's eventually low, Lau, whichever one it was who takes King deep for three runs to make it 5-4 Tampa. But in the bottom of the inning, Rizzo comes through again with his second home run of the game, um, and he ties the or, or that eventually wins the Yankees the game on Anthony Rizzo bobblehead night. So it was um, Rizzo who wins it. In the bullpen, it was Hamilton, King, Holmes, and then Peralta who closed it out for the Yankees to win it 6-5. to five. 
Um, offensively, six runs on nine hits, three home runs, two walks, four strikeouts, two for three with runners in scoring position. You get the multi-hit games from Rizzo and Volpe, who also had multi-RBI games. Rizzo, the two homers, Volpe, the homer, and also a single. Um, DJ, Bader, Bowers, Trevino, and Oswaldo also picked up a hit. Trevino was robbed of an extra base hit in this game. Uh, it was a nice catch from Morales Arena in left field. Oswaldo also had an RBI. And at the plate in this game, this was Judge's last game looking bad at the plate before he picks it up in the final two games. Uh, Cole, five innings, two runs, five hits, couple walks, four Ks, two home runs. Little concerning, uh, the home run ball is starting to bite him again. A boatload of those things in his last two starts. Uh, four of them. And here come the Rays again, smacking this guy around. For some reason, he's always had trouble with Tampa over the course of his career. Um, had a couple of good starts last year, but for for the most part, Tampa gives him problems. Uh, in the bullpen, Hamilton came in first, couple of hits, but no runs, three strikeouts, and... Ian Hamilton actually pitched so well, he's going to get our um, tip of the cap in the Yankee bullpen. No, he doesn't. What the fuck am I talking about? It's Wandy Peralta. Sorry, I had the wrong notes down. <laughs> but Wandy Peralta did pitch in the um, final two games of the series. Um, so let's not go to him yet. We'll talk about him, I guess, later. Um, I'm trying to rush through this thing, folks. I got a lot of things going on here. Um... Are we on game two or are we on game three? Yeah, we're, we'll move to game three. Uh, but yeah, it was it was Hamilton. King was atrocious out there. An inning and a third. Five base runners, three runs. Clay Holmes did fine again with his new role. Um, maybe it's something he gets more comfortable in. Uh, he seems to be doing okay so far. He did allow an inherited runner. Uh, and then Peralta closed it out, struck out two. Game three of the set on Saturday, the Yankees took this one as well. By winning uh, nine to eight, Nestor, Cor- uh, Nestor Cortez going up against Shane McClanahan. Um, this was an impressive win. You had Taylor Walls single in a run early in the top of the second. Top of the fourth comes DJ makes a very great play at third base. On top of the fifth, Nestor gets in trouble and once again he ends up getting rocked. Uh, the Diaz grand slam base hit to score Franco. All of a sudden it's six nothing Rays. Nestor went and out into the, uh, I think, and out into the sixth inning before he was pulled. Bottom of the fifth, no, he went and out into the fifth inning before he was pulled. Um, yeah, bottom of the fifth, Higgy and Judge go deep, so they pull the Yankees within two runs. Then the sixth inning comes, Volpe, you have him singling off the bunt to get out first, and he ends up going all the way home, stealing two bags, and then forcing the wild pitch. Then Judge goes deep again to put the Yankees up. And then Oswaldo singles to make it 9-6 to New York. Um, Rosarina in the 7th singled in a runoff Holmes to make it 9-8, to or a couple of runs. Uh, but then it was, again, Peralta who closed it out. The Yankees come back and win 9-8. to Nine runs on 10 hits, four extra base hits, seven walks, seven strikeouts, one of 10 with runners in scoring position, but it didn't matter because they scored nine runs. Rizzo. Three hits, a double, Judge, two hits, uh, two home runs, four RBIs. Oswaldo, two RBIs. Higgy, two RBIs. Bowers, another hit, also a walk. Volpe, 
Base hit off the bunt, takes second, takes third, ends up scoring on the wild pitch. Amazing how his speed creates offense like that. Literally turns a bunt into a home run, if you want to think about it that way. But yeah, a very impressive showing for the bats to be down 6 nothing, um, and then come all the way back like that against a pitcher like Shane McClanahan. That's impressive. Uh, the Yankees put up four on McClanahan in four innings. They had nine base runners on him. Pitching-wise, Nestor Cortez, four and a third, six runs, seven hits, a couple walks, three Ks. A lot of line drives early on. Got some double plays in there. Then he retired nine in a row at some point. But the fifth inning came, and he imploded. A couple of walks, base hit, grand slam, double, pulled. We'll talk more about uh, about him. There's a chance he could be toast as a, an elite number one, number two guy. The league may have caught up to him. Hopefully he readjusts. We'll see. Uh, the cutter's just not working anymore. It's not cutting. It's just been flat. The location hasn't been there. The high fastball hasn't been as great. Get to the bullpen in this game. Cordero comes in after Nestor. Let's the inherited runner score. But then he gets a 1-2-3 in the 6th. Marinaccio comes in for the 7th and once again did not have it. Holmes comes in relief. Allows the run to come in. But ended up up going 1 and 2 thirds innings. And then Peralta, who now we're going to give our tip of the cap this series. He closed it out in the ninth again. And has two saves this series for the Yankees. Wandy Peralta. Uh, This is actually his first tip of the cap of the season. Which I kind of feel bad that I haven't given him one. Because he's been so consistent and flying under the radar. Which has kind of been his thing since he's become a Yankee. But he's been good. He went two clean innings in this series. And... On the year, he's now 2-0 with a 176 ERA. Um, you know, has been putting a lot of base runners on. That's why the whip is a bloated 137. But he's getting out of jams. And he likes to pitch in high leverage. He likes to get out of jams like that. That's who he's been. So, Wandy Peralta, I'm definitely giving him the uh, tip of the cap before we move on to Game 4 here of this series, where the Yankees did lose. They walk away with a disappointing split after dropping this one 8-7. to It was Clark Schmidt day for the Yankees. They went up against Eflin. Um, hopefully I pronounced his name correctly there. But Clark puts the Yankees in a 1-0 hole early after that leadoff double. In the third inning, Paredes singles in another. Then you get the sack fly to Bader for a 3-0 Tampa Bay lead. Oswaldo goes deep in the bottom half, though. Pulls the deficit to one. And then Rizzo puts the Yankees on top with another big-time home run. 4-3 New York. Top of the fifth. Bader makes the incredible catch to save multiple runs. Run comes in. Tampa ties it. Then the Yankee manager makes it all about himself again. And we'll get to that. Um, Abreu comes in. And like the genius Abreu is, he goes change up. Not once, not twice, thrice, but four times in a row goes change up. And so, crazily enough, that leads to a grand slam. Taylor Walls ties it. No, Taylor Walls gives the Rays the 8-4 lead. Sorry. Uh, so suddenly the Yankees down four. They rally a little bit in the seventh. Torres, the pinch hit single off the uh, two-strike slider. Judge singles a run in, but that was it. Rizzo ends up striking out on the upstairs heat. Uh, then the eighth inning, Volpe gives the Yankees some false hope when he goes deep with the two-run bomb to make it 8-7. to seven. Um, bottom of the ninth comes, two outs, judges at the plate, just misses one. Uh, 
gets a lot of it, but it goes to the wrong side of the, the wrong part of the ballpark. So the Yankees lose eight seven. Uh, seven runs, twelve hits, uh, a walk, eleven total strikeouts. One of three with runners in scoring position. Oswaldo has a three-hit day. DJ and Volpe have two-hit afternoons. A couple RBIs from Oswaldo, Volpe, and Rizzo. Um, the defense in this game, I thought, was pretty brutal. Uh, you have the Bader catch. Incredible. The guy's speed, reaction timing, his footwork, his ability to make great reads in the outfield is, is top-notch. Didn't love some defense out there from Oswaldo Cabrera a few times. I didn't like what I saw. It's been a little shaky in the infield this year. Maybe he's so used to playing outfield. Um, even DJ had a double pump out there at third. Um, but yeah, just whatever. Clark Schmidt, four and a third innings, seven runs. Uh, awful again. We'll touch on the pitching later. Um, I want to start off by touching on Aaron Boone. Because in this series, he makes a few more questionable decisions. And we'll talk about that when we return from break. Stay with us. Be right back. Hey, guys. So if you are a listener of the podcast often and you want to know where to find me on social media, you can find me on Facebook at BD4. You can find me on Twitter at BD4Pod. And you can also find me on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. BD4 is located on many different platforms. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you do there, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. You can listen to it on Spotify, but you can also watch the podcast on both Spotify and YouTube. BD4 is available on many other platforms as well. All you got to do is search it up. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and much more. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode 524 of the podcast. So... Aaron Boone, it seems like it's an every series thing where he just makes very questionable decisions. Uh, the first one in this series, he pulls Domingo Herman again at 87 pitches. Um, now, he wasn't pitching or on his way to pitching a complete game shutout this time, but he was about to go six strong up there. He only had three hits allowed. Yes, a couple walks in there, but he did limit the damage fairly well. I mean, he only had two runs issued. Uh, only one of them was on his line. But for some reason, once again, <laughs> and maybe the Yankees have something on Domingo that speaks to this, but he's pulled after 87 pitches. It's the Montgomery leash, right? For whatever reason, he's become the new Montgomery in that instance um, where they just don't trust him to go long. Uh, and again, whatever they do have, I don't think it's enough. It can't be something that... I don't think it's enough for me to pull a guy when he's going strong out there. I'll just put it that way. Whether it's the third, fourth time through the order shit, fatigue at a certain pitch count in the game, if you're worried about matchups, lefty hitter, whatever it is, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> I, That's where I, I go with feel it out. Let him go. He's earned that right. You know? And the bottom of the order was coming up, too. So it's not like that was a thing where he was facing the Tampa heart of the lineup. No. Um, I just... It frustrated me. Now, 
I, I will say I'm not going to kill Aaron Boone for this because Aaron, you know, ended up going to Ron Marinaccio, who has been one of their better relievers uh, before he hit this crazy rough patch. But I also hate that, how he continues to, and now this is an age-old Boone tradition. We've seen this from him forever, but he continues to bring guys in smack in the middle of an inning and expect them far too often to, to clean up the mess. Um, Got to give them the clean inning. Asking for one more out from Domingo there, I thought was a very rational ask. But no. Uh, and secondly, yesterday with the uh, Schmidt-Abreu thing. Top of the fifth inning comes. The Yankees are up a run. Four to three. But I thought he left Clark in for one batter too long. Some would even say two batters. Shit, maybe three batters too long. Uh, so what happens is Clark Schmidt comes into the fifth inning. Records the strikeout against Jose Siri. But then it's walk, single, single, sack fly to tie the game after the incredible catch by Bader to save the night at the time. And then he still leaves him out there to walk Josh Lau, low, whoever, to load the bases with one out. <laughs> Boone finally pulls him after that. And he doesn't go to Hamilton, who was my preference because he didn't pitch the day before. And he didn't go to King, who also hasn't pitched in a second either. But instead, he goes with Albert Abreu in a tie ball game in the fifth inning. Albert Abreu is a guy with a career 460 ERA as a reliever only. He's a guy with an ERA not too south of five this season. Uh, a guy who has been cut multiple times by some pretty garbage organizations the past year. He's a low-tier, low-leverage mop-up guy who does nothing but allow inherited runners to score when he comes into the game. And he comes into the game yesterday in the biggest moment to do exactly what the world knew would happen, to blow it. Um, and not only did he blow it, but he did so in, in a fashion that would make it incredibly difficult for the Yankees to come back by allowing a grand slam to Taylor Walls to make it 8-4. Uh, to four. And then to make matters worse, for the second time in the series, after doing it already in Game 1, Boone insults the fan base by going um, and like punting, punting this shit away. He concedes. Uh, I, I just, it's frustrating. And then he ends up using one of his top-tier guys later in the game anyway, because it becomes close again. <laughs> and the best part was, it wasn't Hamilton, it wasn't King, it was Marinaccio who was actually used the day prior to this one. I mean, I mean, I got I to credit this guy because just when you think you're able to predict his insanity, he throws a curveball at you. <laughs> you just, in my opinion, I've always been on the bus that says, I don't know, you got to use your best in the biggest moments of the game. That's a manager's job. Know when to pull strings and to push buttons, have a sense of feel. And their excuse is always, well, we were saving so-and-so for later on in the game. And my counter every single time to that is, you got to get there first. So, uh, that's all on that. I mean, this guy is probably up there with the worst of them when it comes to bullpen management. So, you know, at this point, the sky is blue, right? Um, and it also bothered me again. Like, I, like I, like he goes to Weber for the early punch-up. This, this, that's a whole other conversation. The total lack of urgency and the will to win in every part of the game, no matter the circumstance, he does not have that. 
He sees the 8-4 to four deficit, and he's, he decides, well, that's enough. Let me concede, and let's think about tomorrow. And that's what happened. Because we see the Yankees fight back after that, and so he pivots to Ron Marinaccio, and he's like, oh, okay, maybe we do have a chance. It's just, it's, it's crazy. It comes back to bite him, and he makes a fool out of himself by ending up using his top gun. And if we're talking about lack of urgency, I don't know why we're sitting Glaber Torres in game four there. You know, are we really, really, really in position right now to be sitting anybody in a May game against the Tampa Bay Rays when you had the chance to cut what is now an eight-game deficit to six? I don't know. Very frustrating. Um, so, you know, there are definitely some good takeaways from this series. Uh, I do want to get to one more negative talking point just to wrap up the downsides of it, uh, and that's the pitching. Starting to get a little bad now um, and catch up on the Yankees like I thought it would. The good thing is the Yankee bats have and they, they've gotten hot literally at the same time when the pitching has started to fold. So it's not like the pitching is losing them a bunch of games. Um, but it's still an issue to think about. The bullpen has begun to implode a little bit. And even your best guys you're seeing. You know, we want to kill Boone often. And we just did. But even the Yankees' top guns who are supposed to get outs aren't getting outs recently. Marnaccio's been bad. King has been bad. Um, we need those two guys to be on their games again because they're too important. And Marnaccio did bounce back yesterday. Um, but the starting pitching, of course, has been a concern of mine all or you know, it was doing well earlier. It's been mostly Garrett Cole, let's just be honest. You know, um, Domingo has held his own. He's been good. I'll say that too. Uh, and, and it's been Cole and Domingo. Uh, and Cole has, I know he's not been the same lately. The home runs are, are concerning a little bit. But he is Cole, and I have faith that he'll get hot again. Um, but after those two, it gets pretty brutal with Schmidt, Brito, and even Herman—not uh, Herman—and even Nestor Cortez. Like Nestor, we, we we talked on him after the game three recap a few minutes ago. But the cutter isn't cutting; it's not landing on the inner third of the plate against those righties like it usually does. Um, he's missing middle with it a lot. We're seeing the right-handed batters spit on the off-speed. And they sit cutter, and that's killed him. Maybe it's something to do this year where he's he's struggling to adjust to the pitch clock. You know, I you know, there's been a couple of elite guys out there like Alec Manoa who we'll see tonight. He's also struggled with that. Um, and one thing I'm starting to think about Manoa Cortez, the pitch clock. Both of them are two big dudes. Um, I don't know if it has anything to do with the cardio, struggling to, you know what I mean, to have the stamina and the durability to beat out the pitch clock. I don't know if that's a, that's a thing that you can factor into it, but, you know, it did cross my head. Um, maybe it's, it's, you know, we haven't seen him do the, you know, these hesitations with his delivery and the antics as much this year. Maybe that's because of the, sh uh, the the pitch clock. But yeah, bottom line is Nestor Cortez has been pretty bad lately. Has not been the same this year at all. Uh, and it's he needs to readjust 
he needs to figure something out or else could be in trouble there. Um, Clark Schmidt. I mean, we've been calling this experiment garbage since the start of the season. Um, I never thought he'd make it as a starting pitcher. I, I always thought he was better suited as a as a righty platoon guy in relief. Come in and, and face a few righties. Um, I know that Cashman completely gutted the Yankees starting pitching depth. But to me, it's just a little bit nuts that this organization that this organization of all has trouble finding a starting pitcher that can do better than a six and a half ERA. Clayton Beater is killing it down there right now. Strikeouts, a high velocity fastball, a filthy breaking pitch. You can't give him a few spot starts even. I mean, Schmidt has made nine starts for you, and you've lost six of them. You couldn't use another option in there for a few days? Like, if you called up Johnny Brito, who shouldn't be here and is no top prospect by any means, and if he's making every single start, I mean, why not find two or three spot starts for Beater over Clark Schmidt? I mean, tonight, the Yankees are throwing Jimmy Cordero to open the game, and maybe they'll go Brito after that, but... You know what I mean? We're, like, why haven't they done shit like that when Schmidt takes them out? Who's far and away been their worst pitcher? And the worst part is, when Severino comes back in a week or two, Johnny Brito is probably going to be the guy who goes, and we'll be stuck with Clark Schmidt for longer. And it just scares me. It scares me that the pitching has fallen flat on its face lately, and the schedule's not really getting easier. Um, Dodgers are in a few weeks, maybe even a week or so. I got to look at the. They're this month, I believe. Uh, but, you know, we got Toronto coming up. Toronto's got a lineup. We know they've got bats. And I always feel like going into Toronto and playing in Canada is tough for the Yankees. Pitching's kind of falling flat at a tough time. Um, but on a plus, yes, there are some great encouraging things to look at right now. The bats are getting hot. The bats are getting very hot. Um, and, uh, whoops, wrong... Uh, we were on the fucking uh, Jesus. I mean, if you're watching the podcast, it don't matter. But I think we were on the wrong screen. Anyways, uh, trying to find the right slide here. So give me a second here. It is uh, this series the Yankee bats continue to be hot? And listen th- th- again, it's not something I'm shocked about. Like. I've been saying they're going to be fine offensively as as far as the regular season goes. I wouldn't be shocked if they found their way into the top five in offense again. Right now, I think they're 10th, um, which is a crazy jump from when they were, like, bottom third. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's Bader returning, Judge returning, health, the different energy, Volpe starting to hit. You know, when a rookie gets hot, that can always give you some life. I'm sure it's a mixture of all that shit. But bottom line is they are a streaky offense. And they have been this way for a while. Um, this again, the series stats here: the Yankees in this series scored 24 runs, batted 267. They had 11 extra base hits on their 35 hits, um, 12 walks. But we can really look at it for a little longer than that, because um, in their last eight games. If you go back to their last eight games, the Yankees are doing really good things offensively. They're averaging about seven and a half runs a game, which in their last eight games, they're first in runs, first in home runs, 
first in OPS, and second in batting average. So you got a whole lot of guys getting warm, hot, or just continuing to hit. Uh, from Rizzo to Judge to Harrison Bader, I just spit, to um, Glaber Torres to Anthony Volpe to Oswaldo Cabrera. Of all those guys right there, they're all hitting at the moment. That's what we list seven or eight guys there. That's good. You know, Jake Bowers is interesting. He's he's someone I'm very interested in looking at. You know, I want to see if the Yankees can get something out of him. Uh, we know they like him a lot. Uh, the lefty swing. He hits it hard. Puts up some good at-bats. He's pretty athletic. I, I want to see what, you know, keep throwing him out. I don't, maybe don't lead him off. I don't know what that was yesterday. But I don't mind keeping him in the lineup for as long as stands out. See what you can get out of Bowers. I know we said that with Cordero. Um, he had a cute week or so, but I don't know. I, I don't know that Jake Bowers is anything special. But every year they do seem to have one of those Carpenter or Shella type players, and we said the same thing with Franchi, but I feel like Bowers is younger, and I feel like he's got less of a resume where Cordero's just been consistently bad his career. Maybe Bowers can give you some kind of production, at least until Stanton returns, and then maybe he can come off the bench for you. I don't know. I want to see more out of him. That's all I'm saying. I want to see what this kid has. Because um, it's not like he's just been stupid hot, ripping up extra base hits, and, and he's getting singles and walks right now, and that's what I want. Uh, so it's like a sustainable offense that he's bringing. Oswaldo's starting to hit some. He had his first home run from the left side of the plate this series. In his last seven games, he's got a 364 average, eight RBIs, a couple of homers, a double, two walks, hit by pitch, sack fly, a stolen base. He's one of the guys I really like because I, I hope he can keep it up because I I'm, I love this kid's energy. I love his joy. He plays with a lot of joy out there, man. The Yankee Stadium, Yankee Stadium loves him. Uh, he was one of my picks in the preseason to have a solid under-the-radar season. It was Oswaldo Cabrera, yeah. Um, so I'm kind of hoping he can become productive. Nothing crazy, but be a guy who bats 250, 260, hits him maybe 20 homers this year. That'd be nice. Uh, there's still time out there for him to do so. But he's got to start, you know, the OPS is before this, you know, lukewarm stretch in his last week or so. The OPS was in like the lower 500s. It was pretty bad. Um, You know, just a lot of strikeouts, chasing out the zone. Uh, a lot of warning track power this year. That's what I'm noticing. Even the home run yesterday, it hit like the top of the wall. And a lot of his home runs have been like right there. So I don't know if he's just one of those players who just doesn't have a ton of power. But the swing looks like it could get you 20 homers. I don't know. we got to see more. Um, but it's good to see him coming around a little bit lately. Uh, Anthony Volpe. He is starting to look good again at the plate. I know he had a string of offers in there a few games back, but recently he's been hitting in his last five games. He's hitting 300 with eight RBIs, three homers, two stolen bases. He had a good series. Um, all the metrics are trending upwards. He's hitting the ball harder. Less dribblers and choppers like we saw early on in the season. He's not chasing a ton out of the zone, I feel like. I think the biggest issue right now is that high heat. He's had trouble on that high fastball. Um, a lot of his hitting recently has been in the seven hole. 
I think eventually if he keeps hitting, I still want to see Volpe go back to the number one spot in the order. But until then, I say let him ride this out where he is. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Because he has been getting some big RBIs in this seven spot. Right? He had the Grand Slam against Oakland. Um, I believe that was in the seventh spot. I'm not sure, actually. But I know Friday, you know, he had the solo shot to tie the game at two. Uh, and then he picked up the, the tying, the, the game tying single later in the game. And then yesterday, he pulls the Yankees within run with the eighth inning home run. Um, yeah, well, you know, when that happens, if that happens, I guess, and he goes back into the leadoff hole, I just hope the Yankees can. Like, I hope he's consistent enough to where the Yankees just keep him there because I hate playing musical chairs so much with the order. You know, I've always been an advocate for, like, keeping the same guys in their in their roles. Um, but I do, I think I like Volpe at the top. Um, definitely not Bowers. <laughs> but I, I see the upside in Anthony Volpe, man. I do. It's been frustrating at times watching him look overmatched. Um, but I, I see the talent. I see the baseball player in him. I think if you don't see that, you're a crazy pessimist who doesn't know how to evaluate talent by feel. Because if you're just criticizing him, all you're doing is looking at numbers on the surface level. That to me is very non-humic and robotic-like. That's a terrible way to approach things. Because look, he plays great defense at a premium position. That's an intangible. He has great speed on the bases. That's an intangible. Just look at what he did the other day. He bunts to get on first base, and he ends up scoring without anything happening at the plate. <laughs> he's got, And he's also got six home runs. Six home runs, 13 stolen bases. So even with all the struggles of consistency at the plate, six homers and 13 stolen bases, I mean, there's a chance he comes and finishes the season with a 20-20 type of year. We'll have a 2020 season as a rookie. That's got to be, you know, there's got to be some stat on that as, as how many Yankee rookies have done that. I don't think there's many. He's also got two triples. Uh, so I see it. I see the skill set. He's a kid, man. He's going to struggle. Give him the year. Um, if it becomes brutal again, and if it's like mid-June and he's batting 130, 140, 150 again, yeah, you probably send him back down. But I don't think he's been that horrendous to where I don't want to see him out there every day. Um, I mean, a lot of guys are going to go through struggles. You've seen tons of major league all-stars who weren't elite out the gate. So let him ride through it, man. Um, Anthony Rizzo is hot and I'm going to give Anthony Rizzo my tip of the cap this series. Cause he was the best Yankee bat and has been for, well, probably all season. Um, yeah, Anthony Rizzo six for 15, 400 this series, a double three homers, five RBIs, two walks, Five runs scored, 16 total bases, and an OPS over 1,500. Um, he's hot. He continues to fly. I feel like he hasn't flown under the radar with the Yankees fans. That's starting to get more noise now. But in baseball, he's top three in war in first baseman. And I feel like baseball's not giving him that attention. Um, on the year, he's 312 with a 921 OPS. He's not striking out a lot. He's been very productive. And he's been nothing but productive since being a Yankee. Uh, he had a productive season last year, very solid. Then he raked in the postseason, and now he continues to mash so far this season. So he's gotten better, you know. He's progressed since he's become a Yankee. My favorite Yankee is Anthony Rizzo. Um, yes, he's Italian. We love that, but he's just he's clutch. That's why I like him. 
He's a solid ball player. He's clutch. He picks up clutch hits all the time. He's very humble, very great veteran to have on the team. He's a great leader. He's probably like the like we said Gardner was the unofficial captain for a while. Volpe's probably the unofficial co-captain right next to Judge. You know, um, he's having a great year, man, and I'm very happy to see Anthony Rizzo thriving. Uh, and you know, if he keeps doing this, maybe he gets another contract. Uh, and I just hope he stays healthy. The back, knock on fucking wood, hasn't been an issue yet. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think the Yankees are showing some signs. They're they're competitive enough to not be last place team all year. Uh, I, I think they will be fine in that aspect. Uh, and they showed this weekend that they aren't too far behind the Rays when they're healthy. I think they can compete with the Rays. I think they're pretty evenly matched. Um, did I jump ahead there? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think... Because if you look at each of those games, they've played, what, seven times now? Every one of those games besides that one 8-2 to two game has been very competitive. And with Aaron Judge, the Yankees have won more games than Tampa when they've matched up. Um, they just, they seem to, I, I, I'm not terrified of the Rays yet. I'll say that. Uh, I don't want to say that the Yankees are back yet and, and that I'm excited about their season again. But if they do take three in Toronto this week, and I think they have to take three or four um, to really show that they're going to be back. And when I say back, I mean like in terms of being this team who's going to be on pace to win 95 games, give or take, and be a division contender again. I think in order for them to, in order for me for, in order for me to have that thought process, I want to see them take three from Toronto first. If they can do that, I think I'll be okay with the Yankees contending for this division again. I think I think Baltimore is competitive, but I'm not scared of them. I think the Yankees can overtake them. I, I think Boston is a laughing stock, and that will eventually be exposed. Um, I think they'll be in last place when it's all said and done. I think there is a world where the Yankees, Rays, and Jays are once again the true legitimate threats for the AL East. I do. I'm not giving up on the East on May 15th. I'm just not. I will say that, like I've said a bunch this season, the Yankees roster has been constructed to where they have a low ceiling. I'm sorry, they have a low floor and a high ceiling. So I, I've say this. I've said this all the time. I wouldn't be shocked if the Yankees won the division, and I wouldn't be shocked if they came in third place and grabbed the second wild card in the American League. That's just the way their roster is built. Uh, it's not my favorite thing in the world, but it's it's yeah. You gotta thank Cashman. Um, but that's it. Let's wrap this up, get to our question of the day when we return, and that'll be that. Stay with us. Be right back. We also have a website now for BD4. If you go to BD4blog.com, you can find the blog, the podcast links, and also where to find me on social media. Just go to BD4blog.com. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born.
All right, welcome back to the show. Let's wrap this thing up with our trivia question of the day. Let's get to it. All right, so for this episode, episode 524, our trivia question. Which Yankees pitcher won Game 7 of the 1956 World Series with a three-hit shutout? Which Yankees pitcher won Game 7 of the 1956 World Series with a three-hit shutout? One last time, which Yankees pitcher won Game 7 of the 1956 World Series with a three-hit shutout? And that's it. That's all I've got. I appreciate you stopping by. I'll see you in 525. We'll probably be... We'll probably be talking Knicks in that episode, reviewing that final Miami Heat game, talking about the series. Um, and then 526, we'll most likely be talking about the Yankees. Blue Jays, we'll see what happens with that series. So we'll be we'll be all Yankees, basically, after that from here on out. So that's it. I appreciate you stopping by, and I'll see you in the next episode, uh, in the next episode 525. But this is episode 524 wrapping up. Thanks for listening to BD4. Thanks for watching to be uh, watching BD4. Um, I've probably misspoken about a thousand times in this episode because I'm trying to rush through it um, because I've got work in a second. So thanks for stopping by, and I'll see you then. This episode was brought to you by Anchor.